Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor... So you may not know this about me, um, but I'm not a big sports fan. I know that's quite countercultural. I didn't grow up watching sports. I didn't grow up, grow up going to sports games. Um, both of my parents, blue-collar workers. Um, my dad, a mechanic, his hobby was work. When work was over, he would go back to work, and he would work. And so one day, uh, I had a crazy uncle. We all know we've got those crazy uncles. He comes, he picks me up, and I get to go out to 10 o'clock at night watching a making whoopee hockey game. And it's a day that I will remember forever. I got an actual genuine hockey puck and it changed my life. I got to sit there throwing peanuts at somebody and I didn't get in trouble for it. I could throw and I could boo and I could say, you stink and throw peanuts at somebody. And it was a day that changed my life. Flash forward, uh, we didn't watch football growing up. I loved band. I really loved band. And so I love playing trombone. If, if, if I could make a joyful noise with it or a god-awful noise that I'm sure my neighbors love, I had a chance to be in the band. And Lord, did they know it set me loose. I mean, I was on my way to the top. I was a part of the Northside High School Blue Wind Marching Band. This kid that had no friends, couldn't play any sports. See, when I grew up, I grew up on the other side of town. So the kids that I got to play sports with... Um, they were very athletic. So playing basketball, street ball, what I got to do, if I wanted a chance to make a goal, I got to shoot from the parking lot, the three-point line, um, because there's no way I could go. I had no ups. I couldn't get up. I couldn't smack the ball in. So I knew basketball was not for me. So what did I do in high school? I joined the band. So I'm in the marching band, and I've got one job. I get to go to every football game known to mankind because apparently we had a really good team. Every year we'd go to the state championship and playoffs. So I got to go to a lot of football games. I didn't know nothing about the game, but I did know this. My job was to watch the drum major. That's the person that sits up there waving their arms, keeping tempo, keeping time. And so I'm getting to watch them and that's what I do. I do so good at it. The next year I get promoted to a section leader. I'm in charge of telling all the low brass people, hey, stop watching the game and let's play. So as I'm watching the drum major, the drum major's watching the game, uh, we're playing music. I did know this, if my team got the ball and ran down to the field, we played really loud and really long and really loud. Great, I loved it, I enjoyed it. Uh, the game didn't mean anything to me. I was there, but I wasn't watching the game. I was playing music and that's what I love to do. That was my thing. Flash forward another year, I end up dating a girl that would later become my wife, my high school uh, sweetheart, sweet 16 sweetheart, and I'm ended up sitting in the bleachers next to all the crazy common folk that are like, yeah, boy, get that ball down the field. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. Little did I know, my future in-laws are those crazy people. One game, my mother-in-law shows up, she's dressed like Braveheart. I'm like, what in the world? Hopefully this girl will not turn out like her mother, and she hasn't, but we're sitting there, I'm watching, but something changed. I began watching the game and seeing things that I hadn't seen before. I had spent two years sitting at a football game after football game after football game, and I began to notice technical things that I had not seen before. I began to notice that uh, at my house, when we played football in the field, that there are no parents, there were no rules. But in this game, there were rules. You couldn't just go hit somebody because you wanted to go hit somebody. 
you had to abide by the rules. You couldn't just go and face mask. Flash forward, I'm learning some rules of the game. We go down to a state championship game in Lowndes County, which is Valdosta. And I don't know whose idea it was, but the home team, Lowndes, they were full. So they put their people on our side of the bleachers. What in the world? So I'm sitting here, I get there late, and I am surrounded by nothing but the other team's people. Yes, they were rooting for their team. But the problem was, and what I realized, the game changed. See, no longer could I cheer for my team because I'm surrounded by all these other people that are rooting for something else. Yes, we're watching the same game, but it's a different game. The game has changed. See, because I've got to, I've got to make sure that my mind, I'm not rooting for the wrong thing because I don't want to be offending somebody and tensions are already escalating. The game changed, and I realized that. And so what I learned that night is that where you sit determines what you see, and what you see determines what you do. So jumping to my scriptural text tonight, I want to tell you, or today, this morning, I want to tell you a story about two brothers. See, Abraham, he was the first man that said, all right, God, what do you want? God honors his faithfulness. He ends up having a son. God tells Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice your son. Abraham acts in obedience, and he goes, and he is ready to stab the knife and offer up his son as a sacrifice. In the last moment, God goes, whoa, 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 stop. They offer up a ram that was found tied up in the bushes. They offer it up, all right? Isaac now, he's got two sons. He's married a lady named Rebecca. They have twin boys, chapter 25. The boys are fighting inside of Rebecca. She goes to the Lord and she says, what is the meaning of this, God? These, 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 these things inside of me are driving me crazy. What do I do with them? And she said, out of your belly, out of, out of you will become two nations and two people and the younger will serve, or the older will serve the younger. Flash forwards, if you're anything like my family, you hear the stories of, hey, God told you that this is going to be your grand, great, grand, grand, grandpappy, grandpappy. He was the talk of the town. I mean, he was into everything, and you need to live up to that standard. And so I'm sure sitting around uh, Esau, which is the older brother, he was the father's favorite. Jacob was the mother's favorite. I'm sure sitting around the table, there was always a little bit of heated tension. See, I believe that as they were talking and, and stuff, there would be these, you know, the little jabs that we give people. Um, maybe your family's not guilty of it, but my family will give, you know, kind of little jabs of jokes and stuff like that. And so I imagine it was going, Hey, Esau, you need to be nice to your brother because he's drinking his milk and eating his Wheaties, and he's going to be over you one day. And I imagine if I was Esau, that would have made my blood boil. I would have got hot. I would have got mad. And so coming forth, Esau, being an obedient son, he's out working in the land, doing what he's supposed to do. Jacob, he's staying inside, working with mama, learning how to cook, being the homemaker guy, being a tent maker, uh, a fair-skinned wheat guy. Well, Isaac gets very old. He gets blind, and he says, Esau, Esau, uh, come to me. I want to give you a blessing. Back up just a little bit before that. Jacob is inside cooking stew one day. Esau out doing what Esau does. He gets famished, very hungry, his stomach. He comes in, and he says, Jacob, 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 please, 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 let me have a little bit of that soup that you got. I am starving I mean, I don't know, if I don't eat right now, if I don't feel what's that, that hunger in my belly, I'm just going to die. And Jacob's like, bro, 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 come, come to the shop. 
let, let's talk about this. I've got what you need. And it's no problem. I don't mind giving it to you at all. You just got to give me this one little bitty, 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 tiny thing. Your birthright. You know, that thing that, you know, mom has always said that God spoke to her and nobody really knows if it's true or not. But mom said that God spoke to her and said that you've got to, you know, you're going to serve me. Just go ahead, give me the birthright. And I'll give you all the soup that you want. Esau, being famished, not being able to look past his physical hunger, says, what is it to me? It don't matter. don't matter a thing. And so Esau says, all right, I give it to you, whatever. Eats the soup and goes on. Time goes ahead. Isaac gets very old. He calls Esau, the older son, and says, hey, come to me today. I want to give you a blessing. Esau comes in. He says, yes, dad. He said, I want you to do one thing for me before I bless you. I want you to go out into the field. I want you to kill a wild game. I want you to prepare a meal and bring it to me. And then after I've eaten, I will give you the blessing. Esau, being like any good son, like any good person that wants to, 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 to support and listen to their, the people that are over them, being a good son, he does exactly what the father asks. He goes out into the field. He goes and does the thing that the father sent him. He goes and does the right thing. And what happens? Mama was listening. See, Mama had a different favorite boy. Mama sets up a, a snare, a trick of deception, and she goes in and she says, go kill two lambs, two kids, and we're going to play dress up, and you're going to go imitate your brother. So they fabricate this whole story. Jacob goes in, and he says, um, um, this is your son Esau. And Isaac goes, well, you don't sound like Esau. Oh, yeah, yep, yep, I'm, I'm Esau, Dad. I, I want the blessing. And Esau, or, or Jacob goes, and Isaac says, uh, let me touch you, because you just don't sound right. And so Isaac puts his hands on, and he feels that makeup, that dress-up fur from the, the, the killed animal. And he says, well, you smell like a goat. You smell like the field. You smell like my son. Let me eat. Now, everybody knows mama can cook the favorite meal for daddy. Mama cooks. Isaac eats. Isaac recites the blessing over Jacob. Jacob receives the blessing. Jacob leaves out. Esau is coming back in hot. He comes in. He says, Dad, I've got exactly what you asked me to get. He gets it. And Isaac goes, well, who is that that I just blessed? And instantly, Isaac knows that he has been tricked. Esau knows that he has been tricked and the blessing is gone. Esau, a grown man, a man of the field. Esau, a strong man. He weeps bitterly, broken down before his father. He says, do you not have but one blessing for me? Just one. And in chapter 27, verse 34, the dialogue happens between Esau's dad when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too. Bless me, dad. Do you not have but one thing for me? And Isaac said, well, your brother came and took your blessing. See, Esau was named because he was hairy. Jacob was named because he come out second, grabbing onto the heel, trying to take away that which was Esau's. 
Esau said, isn't he rightly named it? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he has taken my blessing. Then he asked, Dad, do you not have, have you not just reserved one blessing for me? Do you not have but one? And Isaac says this, I have made him Lord over you. I have made every relative that you have his servant. I have sustained him with grain and new wine. What possibly can I do for you? And I'm sure that they're speaking out of brokenness and frustration right now. Esau said, but dad, do you not have but one? Bless me too. And I'm sure it says Esau wept aloud. Esau sitting there crying, sobbing, dad, broken. I'm sure sitting there pensive, sitting there holding his hands, reaching up, saying, God, you've got to give me wisdom. You've got to give me but one thing to give my son because he is my favorite. I love him. I don't want to see him go lacking. See, it's a father's will that none of his children go lacking. It doesn't matter whether it's your spiritual father or it's your physical father. And so Isaac sat there, imagine, pondering for a few minutes, and he says this, Esau, your dwelling, where you live, will be away from the earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven, you will live by the sword, you will be a warrior, and you will serve your brother. You will fight for everything that you have, you will fight for everything that you try and keep, and you will be still serving your brother. But when you go restless, you will throw his yoke off your neck. So imagine with me, we're sitting in a stadium watching the game of life of Jacob and Esau. And right now, it looks like the, the, the ball has been thrown the ball is heading downfield, and the opposing team is catching the interception. And they're beginning to run the ball back the other way. See, I don't know a lot about football, but I know that's a bad play if you're on the other team. If you're on the other team, you're winning, you're good. But if you're on the losing team, it's a bad play. And so I don't know where you sit at today. I don't know what you're facing, but I can guarantee you this. Each and every one of us have been through an Esau season a time that we thought, hey, I'm finally going to get, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I am honoring God. God has asked me to do this. My family needs this. I am honoring. I am doing the exact things that I need to be doing. And all of a sudden, the game has changed. All of a sudden, you are running. You're, you're pushing to get to where you're supposed to be getting to. And you stumble. You trip. You didn't see that coming. And the game has changed. And so if we're watching Esau, yes, the game has changed. But the problem is, is that before you were ever born, before you, you, you ever made a decision to follow Christ, Christ knew you, the God of the universe, the, the great I am. He knew you and he made a promise to you that he had a plan for you to prosper and to become all that he wanted you to be, that he had a plan for you to have a great destiny. See, the problem is, is that so many times what we end up doing is, is we get stuck sitting in a few places. We get stuck sitting in our physical place, which is the first point. Where do we sit physically? Esau right now. Esau is sitting in the tent of his father, knowing that he had heard this story all his life, watching everything that he had hoped for not to come to pass, to come to pass. See, right now, he has just been prophesied that you will serve your brother, you will be under your brother, and I don't know where you're sitting at today, where you might find yourself at. Maybe you traded the promises of God for a bowl of porridge that leave you hungry after being hungry after hungry, going and looking for another table to sit at so that you can get a little bit of food so that you can get sustained with the things that you can see in front of you. See, we all sit somewhere today. You might be sitting in your car, you might be sitting on your couch, you might be sitting in your bed in your pajamas because you just didn't have a reason to get up today but I guarantee you one thing we can't control where we sit see God put us each and every one in a place 
for a special reason. If God wanted you to get a promotion, if God wanted you to have a job change, if God wanted you to change communities and towns, you would already be doing it. If God wanted you to have a change in relationship from singleness to, to togetherness, it would already be done because the reason that it's not happened is because God has not said, hey, you know what? They're ready for this. See, at the point where we begin to, to, to let go of the physical and say, all right, God, I've got to look at things with a spiritual set of eyes. See, if you are a born-again believer, you are made complete and whole in Christ, lacking nothing. But the problem is, is that so many times we get stuck sitting at the table saying, all right, I've got to balance the budget. I've got to balance the books. I've got to figure out how I'm going to make this work and this work and this work and this work. And instantly we close our spiritual eyes and we begin to look at things in the physical, things that we can control because we've got to make sure that we get our blessing, that we get ours before somebody else gets it. Because if we're not getting it, it's wasted and it's squandered. And so the first place that we sit is physical. It might be on your job. It might be uh, in a hospital room. It might be facing COVID. It might be facing whatever it may be for you, you are physically sitting somewhere and receiving some kind of pressure. See, as a result of sin, we all face things. We all face pressures from the world. But when we begin to, to allow our situation in the physical to be seen with spiritualized, we begin to see, hey, you know what? God said he's for me. See, we begin to sit in a spiritual place. God said he is for me, so nothing can come against me. God says that I am complete, lacking nothing. I know that I'm a failure and I mess up, but God's grace covers me. And so we begin to move to that place that we sit spiritually. And so looking back at Esau, Esau is sitting in a place of revenge. See, the last thing that he heard from his father, uh, until you grow restless, until you get your revenge, until you kill your brother, you're done for. You're over. Kaputs. And so Esau, ready to kill his brother, he's living this life. But see, a few chapters before in 25, a promise was given to his mother, a promise that was passed down, a promise that said that, that you were to prosper. See, I've never seen a nation built out of, out of nothing. You've got to have something to build a nation, a legit nation. You've got to have wealth. You've got to have resources. You've got to have common goods. You've got to have something going for you. If you want to build a business, you don't just build a business on a hope and a dream. No, there's got to be resources. There's got to be something. And in order for you to have something, that means you've got to get something. And so the only person, the only place, the only way that you get things is from God the Father, the person that already owns it all. So if God wanted you to be there, God wanted you to be doing it, guess what you'd be doing? That. Um, and so Esau he's not able to see that God also promised that he would be a nation as well because he's just watched what he can see at the table he's sitting at in front of him, that physical table, be snatched away. And so uh, the third place that we sit and, and, and the way that we sit here is in our mind. And the thing that I've learned about where we sit at in our mind, you know, the, the place that when all the noise stops, when we're sitting at home in our couch, when we're on the long drive home, when we're on the short drive home, we're alone in our vehicle and we're sitting there and we're listening. I realize that the way for me, and it may be different for you, but I don't think I'm too far off. Most of the way that we determine where we're sitting at physically on your job, your family, the relationships that you have, most of the way that we determine where we're sitting at uh, spiritually with Christ is determined about how we're sitting in our mind. Where we're sitting at in our mind determines what we see and what we see determines what we do. And so this morning I'm challenging you. You've got to do as Paul would say in Romans and in Corinthians, 
See, Esau mentally, he is sitting in a place of desperation. He doesn't know where the next things are going to come from. He doesn't know. Um, he's lost. He's lost. And I don't know if you've ever been to that place where you don't know where to turn or what to do. You love God, but you don't see an answer. This is where Esau's at. And I believe watching online, uh, uh, sitting here today at, at, at Remnant Church, you may be saying, yeah, you know, physically, I don't like where I'm at. It sucks. It really sucks. Even if you work at Chick-fil-A and your slogan is, my pleasure, it sucks. But you also might be saying, yeah, I know that God is for me. I've read the Bible. I've listened to Pastor Caleb. I know I've been to New Believers. I know it. There's a difference between knowing something and internalizing and knowing something. There's a difference between taking those thoughts captive and saying, you know what, I'm facing a difficult situation. The way that you allow your mind to wander dictates and changes how you perceive where you're sitting at physically and spiritually. See, Proverbs would tell us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, Jeremiah would then tell us, oh, I'm going to hang out there for a second. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. See, the thing that worries me about the church, about, about our community right now, um, definitely, and our nation, is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, we know spiritually, we sit spiritually, we know that God is in control, that God's got everything taken care of. But the thing that I keep hearing is, I don't know how we're going to make it. I wasn't ready for this. I, 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 I wasn't ready. The world was not ready for COVID-19. The world was not ready for the penalty of death. That's why Jesus came. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for this bill. I just wasn't ready. And there's no way that you could be ready unless you're seeing things through the right lens. And see, the only way that we can be ready for things is seeing things through Christ. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah in the book, he would tell us the heart is wicked above all things. Why the heart? Because our heart takes in. Our hearts where we feel emotion. Our hearts when, when somebody breaks our heart or betrays our trust or we don't get the promotion and somebody else that wasn't deserving of it gets that promotion, gets that raise, gets that relationship. God, I have been serving you for this long and this long. I'm doing exactly what you asked and this person got it. Why can't I be happy too? Why can't I get fed? Why can't my emotions, why can't my table get fed this morning where I'm at? Because if you were ready for it, God would give it to you. But God knows that if you got it right now with that broken heart because you're restless, you're looking through the lens of I got to get hatred out. I've got hatred. I hate them people because they're happy. If you can't celebrate somebody in their winning season, you're not worthy to be celebrated in your season either. If you can't look past somebody getting a new car because you want a new car, you're not ready for a new car. See, what I've learned, if you go looking for something, it doesn't matter what it is, you'll find it. And just because you find it, that doesn't mean that it's of God. Say that again. Just because you're looking, if you go looking for something, I don't care what it is, you will find it. If you're looking for money, you'll find it. If you're looking for love, you'll find it. If you're looking for friendships, you'll find it. But just because you find what you're looking for doesn't mean that it's what God had for you. If God wanted you to have it, you would have it. See, here's the thing. Romans chapter 
Uh, well, let me get ahead. Second Corinthians, Paul would tell us to take and capture every thought and bring it to obey, bring it to under the obedience of the Father, capturing every thought. See, I know who I am in Christ, and you know who you are in Christ, but there's a difference when you're sitting alone by yourself and your mind begins to wander. You begin to say, all right, all right, all right. I know God's in control, but what about this? I know God's in control, but 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 how is this going to make it? How am I going to pay this? How, how, God? Paul tells us, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't be worried about all this stuff, but let God be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I read a few different versions of the scripture because each version said something a little bit different. I hear so many times people saying, well, what is the will of God for my life? How, how can I be renewed and transformed? If God would just, just wake down and pop me in the face and smack me on the back of the head and say, all right, get it. What is the will of God for my life? And it's simple, obedience. See right here, the reason I didn't like all these other translations, it says you've got to be renewed daily in your mind so that you can figure out what the will of God is. You've got to be renewed so you can learn to know what God's will is. You've got to test and approve what God's will is. And I didn't like any of those versions. So I went back to my favorite version, which is the Bible that I read, the New King James Version. It said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, which is holy and acceptable, so that you may prove it. See, the thing I like about that translation, you're not having to figure it out. You're not having to try and make it work. You're not having to test it and see if it fits your agenda, fits the lens that you're looking through, fits at the table that you're sitting at physically and spiritually. No, 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 no. If God is for us and we understand that, if we can renew and transform our mind to the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, picking up that cross daily and dying to ourself, dying to the physical self, understanding who Christ is, being transformed by the renewing of our mind each and every day, we may begin to prove who God is to a lost and dying world. See, church is not about you. Church is not about me. Church is about lost and dying people. Church is about Jesus and Jesus being lifted high. Church is about lifting up and bringing dead people to life. So by being transformed and renewed in our mind, we can begin to see the situations that we're facing physically, the attacks that we're facing spiritually, we can begin to be renewed and see God is for me. I don't have to worry about this. Yes, I've got to use wisdom, but I don't have to be worried about this. And when people begin to say, how are you having peace? How are you finding comfort in this situation? All the, you, you should be worried about the stock market. You should be worried about, is Trump going to get elected? Is he not going to get elected? Is Biden going to be president? Is the vaccine going to work? Do I get the vaccine, not get the vaccine? It doesn't matter. God will lead you and direct you. For you, you'll have a different answer. But for the born-again believer, our hope is in the promise of Christ. Our hope is found in what Christ has already done. Our hope is found through the lens of God, renew my mind daily. Don't let it wander. God, help me, as Paul tells us, take every thought captive, every thought, and submit it unto God. Let it fall under the obedience of Christ so that I can learn to trust and obey God. And God, while I'm doing that, because that's tough to take those thoughts, I can catch it, God, but what do I do with it? I've got to allow God to renew my mind. 
God, when I see a situation to be negative and ugly, God, you've got to renew my mind so that I can prove because I'm on a mission each and every day as a born again believer. I'm on a search and rescue mission. My mission is to snatch people from the pits of hell. My mission is for the one whose names hang on those panes in there for the one that I know that is close to me relationally, but far away from the love of God. My mission today is to renew my mind. Because if my mind is clouded and not seeing things clearly, I'm not seeing who I am in Christ. I'm not seeing that where I'm sitting at physically today, where I'm sitting at physically on Monday morning when the world comes back and says, hey, start doing your job. We don't care about your Jesus. We don't care about this. I want you to do your job. You say, absolutely. Because you've got one thing to prove. As you renew your mind daily, God will begin to allow you to prove who he is through obedience. So how do you live a life of obedience? First Samuel will tell us obedience is better than sacrifice. See, the thing this morning, I don't know where you're at or what you're doing. Each and every one of us sacrifice for something. See, the most valuable resource that we have is time. Each and every one of us have it. If you're breathing a breath and the, and the, and, and, and the clock's ticking and counting, you are sacrificing for something each and every day of us. Most of us have a job we wake up and we go to. And as we are going to that job, we are exchanging our time for some form of currency, some form of currency that, that is here on the earth. It's physical. It's right in front of us. But see, God says, that's good. You need to do that. You need to get up. You need to go to work. You need to be fruitful because I've put you there for a reason. But you can't get tied up there. You can't stay at that job or chase this job or chase that trying to build up your own wealth because God is for you. See, God would tell us that his eye is on the sparrow, therefore the little bird that he feeds, he's taking care of you just as well. So how do we live that life of obedience? We realize we're going to sacrifice for something. But are we sacrificing for the physical? Or are we sacrificing for the spiritual? Are we trying to build a bigger table that we can invite people to come sit at so that we can tell them about God? Or are we in building the table of Christ so that people can come sit at the table of Christ? They don't need to see us because we're just as bad off as they are. We're building our own tables. They could build their own table if they wanted to. The table they can't build is the table of Christ. It takes all of us coming together with the gifts that Christ has given us to build that table so that people can come and sit and see Jesus. Jesus would tell us in John, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Yeah, that's good. I like that one. That's good. I mean, I, I love God. I'm going to keep his commandments. Well, we're going to sacrifice something, but are we sacrificing towards Jesus? That's all good and well. Um, uh, that's good. Esau, he lost out. He missed out. You know, I'm missing out. Well, I want to read a different version of the end of the blessing in Genesis 2740. Uh, Isaac is telling Esau, you will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, and this is, this is the change. He said, until you go restless in the, in the other version, but when you decide, so it's a decision, a mental um, how many of you know that, that making a decision is a mental one, right? You know what? One day I just woke up and I made a decision that I was going to do this, and you went and you did it. And you need to tell somebody about it because that's the testament of God. That's renewing your mind. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. That's good. I like that one. That's a decision. But here's the one that I want to talk about this morning. However... It shall come to pass when you break loose, this is the amplified version, from your anger and your hatred and your discontentment that you will tear off his yoke and you will be free. So this morning, yeah, you may be sitting somewhere physically that you don't like. 
God's got you there for a reason, but when you renew your mind, allow God to transform your mind and you make a decision to let go of, they don't deserve that. My boss ain't worth nothing. They're lazy and they're sorry. If God wanted you to be the boss, guess what you'd be? You'd be the boss, but you ain't the boss because God's got you right where God wants you at for a reason, such a time as this. So, Esau's happy ending. We always talk about Jacob. A lot happened. Jacob ends up running. He ends up fleeing from his brother. His mama says, hey, your brother's coming at you with a bow and a quiver. If he had a shotgun, he'd be coming at you with a shotgun. And so uh, a lot of time passes. Jacob, the, the younger brother, the one that got the blessing, he ends up going to his uncle's house, marrying a couple gals. Don't recommend it. Uh, two wives, different story for a whole other time. Uh, all the single guys out there watching today, I don't advise it. It doesn't end well. If you want proof, um, it's all in the Old Testament. A man has never succeeded having more than one wife. So uh, keep it solo, my friends. Um, and so all this time passes. Jacob and Esau, they decide to meet. They decide to come to that reconciliation. Esau has something happen long before Jacob ever has it. See, Jacob's got all the blessing, all the promise. But as he's going and trying to meet his brother, he is fearful. He's scared. See, he got the promises and the blessings of God, but he didn't know it. He knew it, but he didn't internalize it. So as he's going to meet his brother, he's like, I mean, is he going to kill me? Is he not going to kill me? If he does kill me, is it going to be like a bow and arrow? Or is he going to come up and like, you know, stab me? In the, I mean, how, how's this going to play out? So as Jacob's going, he splits his whole empire into two, two camps. And he says, all right, y'all go ahead. It's all good. He loves me. We're going good. But just on the off chance, I'm going to stay back here with, you know, this group. And so Jacob being a trickster, always looking out for numero one, he sends out the people. Esau comes out and he's like, all right, that's cool. Esau walking with his boys, 400 men strong, probably warriors. Um, because of the prophecy, you will live by the sword. So I had to guess there were some pretty bad dudes if they had to be. Tough and rough, not going to let anybody get anything on over them. Going to Genesis chapter 33, they end up meeting Esau in verse 4. He runs out to his brother, kisses his neck, falls on his neck, loves him. And I'm sure Jacob's like, when's it going to happen? Jacob's probably hugging his brother kind of scared. Is he going to break my neck? Is he going to go like CIA and just, you know, am I just going to drop dead? And Esau turns to him in verse nine and he's verse eight. And he's like, bro, 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 I'm glad to see you. But uh, Jacob, what, what's the meaning of all this caravan? I mean, obviously you, you've accumulated great wealth. You've got a lot, but what is the meaning? Like, like why? And Jacob, knowing that he stole not only the birthright as the firstborn son, stole the blessing, inherited great wealth, he does what anybody would do. Um, how you like my flock? You know, my goats? You want some? Um, I, I know, you know, we had that, oh my goodness, that whole big falling away, you know, 30-something years ago, 20 years ago, you know, we had this whole... Um, uh, I stole everything from you. Would you, would you like, would you like some goats? I'll, I'll hook you up. And Esau looks at him. And this is how I know that Esau got the greatest blessing. Esau says, I have enough, my brother in verse nine, keep what you have for yourself. 
See, if Esau hadn't got to a point where he renewed his mind long before he ever met Jacob, he would have killed him. He would have got exactly what he wanted to get. He would have went full-blown Medea and got them before he got got. But no, Esau found something. See, he went back, and instead of looking through the lens of what his father was saying, is you've got to kill your brother, and until you decide to kill him and get revenge, no, 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 he changed his mind. He realized what his father was telling him, but what the father, God the father, was telling him, when you decide to let go of your anger and your hatred and having to know why and just walk in obedience, you'll remember the promise that I gave you that you too would become a great nation. And so Esau is living out here in the promise. Jacob is living fearful, missing the promise because he is so worried about maintaining his table. He's not able to walk in the promise of God. So Esau's no longer concerned about building up his own kingdom, inheriting his birthright. No, no, no. He's able to sit and rest in God's table that God promised him. See, Jacob later, uh, he ends up meeting uh, God on the road and God touches his hip and throws it out. So not only is Jacob coming to meet his brother, he's got a limp and he's a gimp. So now he can't even run away this time. So Jacob, fearful, he's like, I got to figure out what to do. What does Jacob mean? Wrestles with God. And see, if we're not careful, we don't find the contentment and the peace that Esau found. We end up living as Jacob, still trying to build our own table, wrestling with God, trying to follow God, trying to know, hey, all right, God is for me. He's not against me. It's okay. But we're, we're constantly getting stuck back in the physical, just like Jacob. I've got to build my own flock. I've got to build my own family. I've got to build my own empire because if I build my own empire, I'm safe. But God says, no, 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 no. I want you to go back to the blessing. When you decide to let go of all these other things, all these other things that you've got to have, all these physical things, you will find peace and contentment and find rest in me. How did he find that? Paul would write later on, be transformed daily, taking every thought captive, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, Esau had a renewing of his mind moment long before it was ever written down in Scripture. He had to live it. And as his mind was renewed, he was able to look at his brother as we should be looking at our brothers and sisters in Christ, as we should be looking at the people that we encounter day in and day out who are broken and looking for the love of Jesus. But see, if you're living from a place that you can't get past the physical, you're forgetting who you are spiritual because you're allowing your mind to win, you will never have victory. So today, I want to challenge you in the chat if you're watching right now, type in the chat, the game has changed. It's not that the game literally changed. No, 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 no. The game changed for you. And when you wake up each and every day, when you wake up and you say, God, I am dedicating my being, my purpose to you, the game has changed. See, the game hadn't just changed for you. The game has changed for your family. The game has changed for your coworkers. The game has changed for the person that you meet at the gas station when you go into the convenience store. The game has changed for everybody around you. So how do I renew my mind this morning? You wake up and you declare these truths. When the enemy comes in, the game has changed. You make a decision today, right now. Jesus is first in my life. I exist for nothing else but to serve and glorify him. I love people, and this is a tough one for a lot of people because people are smelly, they're weird, they got weird jokes. I just don't like people, 
But see, here's the thing. Jesus would tell us, you will show people that you love me by the way that you love people. And so for you to say that you're not a, a people person, you've got to wake up each and every day renewing your mind to the fact Jesus loves those very people that you don't want to have anything to do with. Jesus died for those people. You don't die for somebody that you don't love. Jesus loves people. Therefore, I love people. I am not my past. I am not what I did. I am not. I am who God says that I am. He says that I am forgiven. He says that I am redeemed. And he says that I am free. Worry. Worry will not be my master because I trust in God. His peace, it guards my heart, it guards my mind, and it guards my soul in Christ Jesus. My God, the God of the universe, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. How did he give you that power of that sound mind? By submitting and taking every thought captive, letting it be renewed daily, your mind, you are able not to be wavering and forgetting the lens that we should be looking at the physical things and the spiritual things through because of the renewing and transforming of our mind. I am not a slave to my habits. I am a prisoner. I am not a prisoner to an addiction. I have been rescued by the power of God through Christ. I am not what I have. I am not what I can buy. My identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. I am a masterpiece. When you say I am not enough, I don't have enough, I'm, I, I'm just an awful person. No, 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 no. You declare this truth over you today because the game has changed. I am a masterpiece created beautifully and wonderfully in the image of God to do good works, to prove that God is real, to prove because God has already prepared you for this because God way back in whatever chapter 25 is of your life before you existed, God made a promise that he would keep you and never forget you, that he would love you and never leave you forsaken, that he would supply all your needs when there wasn't a way that he would make a way. So today I challenge you as we get ready to pray, if that's you, the game has changed. So everywhere that you're at right now, I want you to stop the chat. I want you to lift up your hands and I want to pray with you right now as we get ready to go. Um, the game has changed. God, as we come before you this morning, God, we realize that, God, we are not perfect. God, that it is so easy for us as people that, that we end up finding ourselves stuck looking at the things that we can tangibly put our hands on, God. God, we allow our eyes to be shielded and covered, God. But, God, we know that through your power, through your spirit, God, that our minds can be transformed and renewed, God. God, it is our desire as the body of Christ to lift you up higher than every other name, God. God, God, that we that we push you ahead of us, God, that people don't ever see us, God, but God, they see you. And so, God, today over every person that's watching, over every person that's under the sound of my breath, God, God, I declare in their life, as they're declaring it in their mind, God, today the game has changed, that we no longer have to be subject to to, to the enemy, to ourselves, Lord, Lord, of our of our of our sin nature that that keeps us from moving ahead and pushing ahead today. If you're an unbeliever this morning and you say, how do I get this peace? How do I have Jesus transform and renew my mind? There's a two-step process. The first part is that you have to profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, that you have to say, Jesus, I accept that you died, that you came, you died on a cross over 2,000 years ago for my sins, that you love people and that you love me with all my faults and all my insecurities, with everything that's wrong with me, God. God, I profess today that I want your peace, that I want you to live in my life. And as you profess that in your life this morning, that you can make the proclamation and that you can say, Jesus, you are first in my life. And God, if you will help me renew my mind daily, I will serve and I will follow you. 
If you prayed that prayer for the very first time today and you believe that, I want you to drop down in the chat the new me. I'm saved. I made a decision. The game has changed today. Thank you again for watching. Um, I hope that this message blessed you. Uh, if you would like more information about our church, about our ministry here, please go up to the description. You can click or go to remnantchurch.church. Again, we love you. Thank you for being here this morning, and God bless. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.